Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is somebody who holds all the records and all the legitimate sports, not the fake sports, and that's the greatest other host on the other side of the Mississippi River, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Um, I don't know that I hold any record in sports, but I will say... <laughs> I do want to say right off the top of the bat, like right right before we get started, what we're going to talk about today, the things these people do, I cannot do, but I do not think these are sports. For me, sports are football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, stuff like rugby, stuff like that. But I do want to say before anybody yells at me, I cannot do the things these people do. <laughs> well, uh, of course you can't do the things these people do because uh, some of these things aren't even people that we're going to be talking about. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that that's it. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about sports that we don't believe are really sports. And this was the qualifications, because I could have just as easily talked about something stupid like professional Quidditch, which, yeah. <laughs> for those of you that don't know what the hell that is, I don't know what the hell that is. It's a Harry Potter wizard thing that I don't even think J.K. Rowling knew what it was, because by the time the fifth or sixth book came around, she just forgot about it, gave up. It was... Yeah. It was, and look, I like the Harry Potter stories a lot, but Quidditch is next to the Time Turner is the dumbest thing in there. And a bunch of rich, privileged New Englanders decide, kids decided we're going to do professional Quidditch. We're not talking about that, okay? Uh-uh. Because it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have any legitimacy. The sports we're going to talk about, or in quote sports, are ones that have national sponsors are ones that millions of people may sit down and watch. They're on ESPN or uh, other things. These are sports that definitely definitely have eyeballs to them. As a matter of fact, one of the final ones we're going to talk about has, I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars behind it. And like you said, we can't do any of this stuff. And everybody's like, uh, but I, I want my wife and I had this discussion the other day, like what is a sport and what is a game. And a lot of ways, I I think people equate sport with some kind of cardiovascular or you're extending some kind of energy in order to defeat a record or defeat another team or something like that, where a game is you're using a skill set in order to do the same thing. You're not necessarily exerting any amounts of energy. And we're not going to talk about it on this particular one, but golf really hits that kind of sweet spot between the two sports and games because... You know, I've I've played golf. I am not a golfer by any means. I don't want to be a golfer. I've walked golf courses with a golf bag on my back, and it's you know it's it's uh, tiring. It's you know you you get exercise. I've also ridden in the golf cart and drank a bunch of beers and stuff like yeah. that too. So golf, you know, really kind of sits that that in between the ones we're going to talk about. These are just flat out. Look, these are not sports. Some of them, as a matter of fact, I don't even think they should be doing. Let's kick this off, Todd. Well, I, and I just want to say, too, when you told me about this topic, like when I was younger, my whole thing was for it to be a sport, it has to have a ball. But as you mentioned, like golf, I've never really I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no good at it, nor do I have any desire to play. So I never paid attention to it. But as I've gotten older and I've become a runner and I've done triathlons and stuff to me, running is is a sport and there's no ball involved in that. So that through my whole thing for a loop but yeah i'm kind of like you to me these are more like in one case it's animal abuse in my opinion <laughs> and then and a bunch of the other ones it's simply just parlor or stuff that you know you mentioned quidditch not being a thing and the same thing for me a comparison for me would be basketball 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a real thing. Although, as much as I'd love to play basketball, that's not a sport to me. That's just essentially playing a game of horse. So, yeah, I used to think sports had to have a ball, but then as I became a runner, I knew that wasn't true. But there are there there is a difference between a sport and a parlor game. So let's start with what inspired this whole thing. I was sitting around, and uh, we were back in Missouri in St. Louis for the 4th of July. I was picking up my son. who would spent the week there with his grandparents. And my son just had to absolutely positively sit down on July 4th and wanted to watch the Nathan's Hot Dog <laughs> Championship or whatever. Every 4th of July, a bunch of dudes, a bunch of ladies, they get down. They have a bunch of hot dogs in front of them. Glasses of, yes, <laughs> glasses of water. They dip the hot dogs, bun and yes. all, in the water, I guess, to shrink the bun. And then over the course of 10 minutes, they eat as many as they can. So gross. That's the sport. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I remember about five, six years ago watching one of the hot dog eating contests with a, a family friend of ours and just thinking, this is disgusting. Why am I watching this right now? That was my response. Well, if... Now, where I'm getting this from is there is an actual real league, and the person that won it, obviously Joey Chestnut, he did 76, hold on, let me make sure I got it, 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Gross. I know the rules and everything is you have to be able to keep them down, you can't eat and throw up, or you're disqualified or whatever. I I will tell you this, Ty, that is the world record, by the way. The guy that came in second, ate 50. Ugh, gross. <laughs> so, so Joey Chestnut ate twenty six more, and at the and look when I say like this is a sport, it's on ESPN every July fourth, and people watch yeah. it. Like I said, my son wanted to watch it, and in turn, I have to watch it. And he has a Joey Chestnut's like sponsored by Bounty. I mean, that's a Procter and Gamble product. You know, this is yeah. He's he's being paid to eat. And to eat a lot of food. And then afterwards, I I think it was Rex Chapman like tweeted it out afterwards, just showing a picture of him accepting his championship belt. The dude looks miserable. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So is there an athletic or physical endeavor to this? Sure, there obviously is. But yeah. I mean, to to what point? And before I go on, like there's I, I said, there's an entire major league eating league. And you go Terrible. and you go. You look at their records, and Ty, there's there's a thousand here. I mean, well, maybe not a thousand. There's hundreds, though. I'm going to give you a couple of them, okay? Okay. Uh, Joey Chestnut has a record for chicken wings, 182 in 30 minutes. Ugh, ugh! I can barely <laughs> eat 12 at a dinner, and that's a big dinner for me. Don Lerman holds the butter eating record: seven quarter pound sticks of salted butter in five minutes. Why would anybody eat that one? Did he have a heart attack immediately afterward? No. Let's see. Crazy Legs Conti has the buffet eating record: five and a half pounds of buffet food in twelve minutes. Oh God, that's so gross. Uh huh. Let's see. Uh, Carmen Sacati has the chili record. What is it? Two point four three eight gallons of chili in six minutes. Oh my God! Are they just drinking? Ugh, this is so gross. I am trying. Oh, here you go. Here's another good one. Oleg Zahortsky has the mayonnaise record of four Ugh. 32-ounce bowls of mayo in eight minutes. <laughs> that that makes me sick to my stomach hearing that. <laughs> That's, That's a, so gross. Joey Chestnut, again, has the taco record, 53 soft beef tacos from Taco Bell 
um, in 10 minutes. Ugh. What? So I guess my question for you with all this would be, why? Just why? I told you before we started recording, this isn't a sport. This is just glut- this is glamorizing gluttony. This is trying to put as much food into your body and hold it down as you can. There comes a point where food probably doesn't even taste good to these people anymore. Like I love chicken. I love food just in general. Food's great. But there comes a point where, you know, if I eat 15 chicken wings, I've had too many. They don't taste good anymore. If I eat four tacos, that's too many and I don't want to eat anymore. There's got to be a point where this isn't fun for them. No. For those of you that are hearing this for the first time and never seen any of these people, they're not super fat people. No. No. <laughs> Joey Chestnut's in better shape than I am. I am. Kobayashi, who we didn't even mention, was like yeah. a tiny, tiny person. Yeah. He is a tiny. He's not. He's still around. He's a tiny person. I mean, I'm not a not a little person. He's a very skinny man. Yeah, right, right, right. And you you look down this list here. And like I said, it's a huge, huge list. But you look down this list and Joey Chestnut's name name is on here a lot. I mean, we could have this discussion another day. But are we living in the era of all goats? Like is every sports best player playing right now? It's not a sport, though. He's eating food. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Would you call Adam Richmond? Uh, an, an athlete, the guy who did man versus food. Right, right. That's that's kind of that's kind of the point that we're bringing here is that if this is a sport, Joey Chestnut is definitely the greatest to ever play it. And like my wife said, if the guy ate fifty, why didn't he just eat fifty one? Why did he have twenty six more? And I go, it's like Cal Ripken and his consecutive game streak just put the record out of out of out of place. You know that your wife is right though. Uh, okay, if you want to put the record out of place, eat fifty two because clearly this person could only eat fifty. There's no way they could eat two more. There's no need to eat seventy six. That's just showing off, I guess. Well, let's get away from some of the grossness and <laughs> God, like, those those athletes I'm doing in quotes buttholes must really hate them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. That's I've often thought that too. And I mean, how do you celebrate after that? I know, I mean, you played football in high school. I wrestled and things like that. And I remember after the season or after a big game, we'd go have a celebratory meal. I ran cross country yeah. in college and I talking about yeah. buffets. The coach used to always take us after races to a buffet because we, you know, we just ran five miles competitively. We're hungry. I, what do you do if you're Joey Chestnut? Do you just sit on the toilet and put your finger down your throat? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to imagine. Or you take a bunch of x and try and get it out the other Because you're right. Like After football, baseball, basketball games or seasons, it was always like a food banquet that we would have. Or even now running, you know, after I do a half marathon, all I want to do is eat. What do competitive eaters do to celebrate their accomplishment? Yeah, yeah, no idea. But let's get to kind of the competitive games. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I agree with you on a lot of these, but I'm going to tell you some of these I'm I'm I like. Yeah, I've sat down and I've watched them. (laughs) Okay. So darts. Let's start with darts. Yeah. There was a uh, guy that both of us used to work with when we worked in the the carnival business. Who um, he uh, make it sound like we were clowns? Yes, yes. <laughs> we worked in the. Uh, I worked in the warehouse, and you worked in an office. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, I did hire clowns, and I did yeah. pay clowns, real honest to god clowns. But there was one of the guys that worked in the warehouse with you that he played competitive darts. Uh-huh. And I remember one day he was showing me his dart set, and he said it was like 300 bucks or something like that. And this super fancy thing. And then 
I remember one night a group of us went out to a bar where he was playing, and it was exciting. It was cool. There's no way in hell I could even come close to doing what he does. But like I just said with competitive eating, this has got sponsors. It's got competitions everywhere. These people are on TV. But come on, Ty, is it a sport? No, again, this is this is a parlor game. This is something you do with your friends for fun. Like when my wife and I were first dating, we would go to a, a fairly notable bar out here in St. Louis. I'm sure you know Blueberry Hill. And you go to the back and they have a big dartboard. And like that was fun for us to just goof around and be like, oh, who can get the highest number of points and stuff? But we never kept score. And like I see it on ESPN as I'm flipping through and it's like, oh, this person got four bullseyes in a row but to me it's like it takes skill i understand i was a pitcher i when i played baseball as a pitcher it takes skill to place the baseball where you want to and i'm sure it takes skill to place a dart where you want to but you're not really competing against anybody except yourself you're throwing a dart at a board it can be played in bars like it's a famous thing in older movie 80s movies that they're always playing darts at a bar somewhere so to me the fact that there's sponsors and there's people heavily involved with this. And like you said, that guy had that super nice set. That's a hobby. It's a, it's a parlor game. It's not a sport, in my opinion. It's a hobby. Well, when I, you know, the other thing about darts, I'll go back to golf. There is a perfect golf score. You mm-hmm. could shoot 18. It is theoretically possible that you could go to an 18-hole course and get a hole-in-one in every single hole and shoot an 18. Obviously, nobody's done that. Yeah. Obviously, right now, it's probably a physical impossibility because mm-hmm. you have these very long par five holes that you would have to literally drive the ball to the hole. And third, in order to really do that, that's not skill. That is pure and utter luck. <laughs> so, Total luck, yeah. So you think about the same thing with darts, and I was trying to figure out, is there a perfect dart score? Is there a, a, per, a way to perfection? And when you go look up world record for darts, it's all sorts of things because it's not just one game. It's tons of different games that are yeah. underneath this professional league. The big thing, I guess, for uh, dart throwers, and if you are one and I'm, I'm getting it wrong, come at me. But yeah. it's a thing called high dart average. And it's okay. uh, basically it's the average score achieved with three darts thrown. So it, I'm looking at Wikipedia here, and it, uh, the longer a match lasts, the harder it is to maintain the high average. So this is for an entire match. So if you just throw three bullseyes, that's whatever that is. But it's this goes over the course of a match. So the highest score. Now think of a dartboard. You know, it's got the twenty at the top yeah. and all this other stuff. For an entire match, however long that is, the highest dart average ever is one hundred twenty three point four. I don't know what that means, why that's important, no. what's great about it. Maybe I'll go throw darts and, and figure that out. A woman just recently broke the 100 mark. Their record was below 100, but a woman just recently broke that 100 mark. So I guess part of my issue with darts is kind of a new person coming to I just don't even understand the, the scoring system. But hey, God bless you guys that do. Yeah, it doesn't make the scoring system makes zero sense to me. And, you know, it, it's all about getting that bullseye. But again, like... I couldn't step on a major league baseball mound right now and pitch. I couldn't go play on a football field. And I could probably throw with the best dart throwers in the world, but I could go out there and probably compete with them. I'm sure they have open competitions. They don't do that in other sports. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a great point. You're right. I I am not going to step on a track and compete with anybody running the 100 meters in the Olympics. 
Um, exactly. And, and you know, even if I smoke weed, they won't let me out there. But, you know, that's another Ridiculous. <laughs> that, I'm so angry about that. <laughs> and you're right. I'm not going to walk into uh, a bar and play against the best dart player in the world and be competitive either. But I'm going to look more competent. <laughs> you know, probably. Exactly. Yeah. So continuing along with games here. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if this is a newer thing or if it's always been a thing. I've just never noticed it. But I grew up in St. Louis. I moved away in two, at the end of 2004. And I moved up to Milwaukee and then came to Cincinnati, where I've been since. And when I came to Cincinnati, everybody's talking about the sport called, called cornhole. And I was like, well, isn't that your butthole or something like that? But And it's these <laughs> these slanted boards and these bean bags that you throw across. And I've played games like washers or horseshoes or things like that. But cornhole was like, okay. And I, I've seen, you know, on like wide world of sports and stuff, people throwing horseshoes and things like that. But a couple of years ago, we were on vacation down in Florida. My sister-in-law, brother-in-law lived down in South Florida. And I remember we were at this uh, this hotel pool. And all these people are gathered around, and professional cornhole is on ESPN. And oh, my God. These guys don't look like they could be in shape enough to be competitive eaters, but they sure as hell nope. could be. And it was intense. And, again, they had real sponsorships and things like that. So tell me, Ty, why is this not a sport? So last year, it was probably closer to a year and a half, when the pandemic started and everything shut down, I remember as sports started to slowly come back. And this was before we had the NBA bubble and what the NHL did and Major League Baseball fighting, uh, fighting about playing a season. I was um, flipping through Sports Center and they had professional cornhole. So I was like, what? And I was all confused. And there was nobody in the crowd. There were two people playing. They were each masked. They were perfectly spread apart. But I watched him play. I'm like, oh, I've played this game before at barbecues and at picnics. And like you said, I, I know the slanted board and there's supposed to be a certain amount of feet in between you and your competitor. So I watched it for maybe a minute and I thought, well, this is boring. And then I started thinking about cornhole and it's like, like you said, there's a very funny line in Kingpin where uh, Woody Harrelson walks into the thing and he's talking about the greatest athletes in the world. And there's a guy jamming a hot dog in his face and another guy drinking a beer and they all have beer guts. And that's what cornhole is like. It's a dude who look like you and me that could go play it. But another thing I thought about with cornhole and I know there's been very few instances in major professional sports where players have played either on LSD or had alcohol or something. But cornhole is a thing that people play when they get drunk at a barbecue. And you're throwing bags around, you're just tossing them, and you talked about with darts and everything. It's pure luck. You get the ball in, that, in the hole, and everybody goes nuts, and everybody's crazy. And like, oh, my God, that's amazing to me. And this is one sport, because of my background in baseball, one quote-unquote sport, I should say, because of my background in baseball, I feel like I can play professionally. I know how to angle a beanbag to go where I wanted to because I did that with a baseball for my entire childhood, teenage, and part of my adult life. So, again, something I feel like I can go do right now. Not I, I'm in good shape, but not in the best shape in the world. But all it is is standing 20 feet away and tossing a bag in the air and hoping you get it in there. How is that not a parlor game I, that is not a sport that is 100 percent a parlor game it's something to do for fun it's something people can do when they've had a dozen beers and they're at a barbecue it's not a sport at all well so people know and look i'm i'm in awe of this but the world record or the guinness record for most bags in a hole in one minute by two teams is 14 
So two okay. guys, and I mean, but that's that's the record. Bags in a hole. I mean, you know, <laughs> but you, you brought up the right point, and we're going to end this on the ultimate of just games that somehow became a sport in this first half. If you trained, you may be able to do this. Yeah. There is zero possibility right now in my life for me to train to go be a pro baseball player. Or a pro football player, so, <laughs> or pro basketball player. So that that's the but but if what's I what's the training consistent? Like I don't throwing yeah. a hole a bag into a hole. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But the one and this just dumbfounds me. The one that you and I both could today go out and compete against the quote unquote best and have a shot at beating them, and that's professional poker. Yes. <laughs> So tell me what the non-sport of professional poker, why it's a non-sport. It's people playing cards. I do it every, every day my wife works from home. We play cards. I have done it with you. When you and I lived together, we played cards. I've done it with, it, again, poker, it is pure luck. There's, in my opinion, there is no strategy. Every other sport, I guess you could even say every other, again, quotes I'm putting sports in. With cornhole, with with the other stuff, you you can strategize somehow. With even with competitive eating, with poker, it is simply about drawing the correct cards, like getting the correct cards ha- handed out to you, delivered to you, or whatever they say, dealt dealt to you. That's what I'm looking for. Poker, in my opinion, takes no skill. It is pure luck. You, when you were in town, we were talking about going to. Um, we were talking about my bachelor party that I had, and going to the casino, and my buddy one of my buddies at the time won like 500 bucks on a hand of blackjack playing poker because he got lucky. He lost it five minutes later. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this happens all the time in this professional poker league that they have on ESPN. And I, how fully admit when my son was born and I, it was my turn to be up with him in the middle of the night, I would turn ESPN on and watch that because it would put both of us to sleep. <laughs> Not because it was exciting. It mm-hmm. was something that would make us both tired and fall asleep. There is, Again, I'm sorry to you professional poker players out there, but to me, there is no skill in it. I think it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous that these people get sponsorships, that ESPN is promoting it as much as they do, that a way to win is you wear a hooded hooded sweatshirt with a hood up and dark sunglasses so people can't see your face to know if you're blood. Like, cards is pure luck. There is no skill involved in that at all. It is pure and utter luck, and that's how you win in poker. I often equate it with I would prefer to watch professional Scrabble play and then I'd prefer to watch a uh, professional poker because that, that would be more fun. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> at least you get to see people trying to do something here. You're right. It's all about these personalities. And look, yeah. I know I know the the big Jeopardy champ, uh, James Holzhauer, Holzhauser, who's on that chase show now. I know that's where he started. He was a, a professional gambler or something like that. Fine. That's good. If that's what you do, that's what you do. But there's no, like you said, it's on ESPN. And it's like, what? And there was a time period yeah. where it was like the biggest thing in the world. Everybody used to talk about um, Hold'em, Texas Hold'em. That yeah. was the game that everybody talked about. I've never played that in my life. Funny to me because even today, like, we'll watch uh, we'll watch a Reds game or something. And they're obviously on at night and baseball is way too long. So it ends at like 11 o'clock or something like yeah. that. And it's the regional sports network. It used to be Fox Sports Midwest, but now it's something else, Bally Sports yeah. or something like that. And it's always some 
professional poker league is on afterwards. And yeah. it, I know, I know you people that have played professional poker in tournaments like, oh, you have no idea what it's really like. But no, I could play today. Right yeah, now, when we we're done, yeah. and I have a chance to beat the quote-unquote best person in the world, that is sure as hell not a sport. No, <laughs> and, and that's the thing, too. It's not like you have to go through a minor leagues or go through a college thing. You and I could go pay $100 and get in a tournament today, and we could walk away with a million bucks just based on if we get lucky or not. There, <laughs> there is no skill involved. No, and I know everybody's like, well, why don't you go do it? Why don't you go do it? Well... Because it's, it's boring. Hey, I was back speaking again back when we worked for the um, for the event business. I remember one of the years we decided we were going to do like corporate parties, do casino parties. And I was lucky enough because I was the person I was head of training everyone. So I was lucky enough to go uh, to actual dealer school, casino dealer school. So I learned how to deal all of these games. And I learned that the house has an advantage in every single game. You know, so it's not the the reason I'm not going there to beat the best poker player in the world has nothing to do with, oh, it's just not a sport. It's I don't want to lose my money. Okay, (laughs) exactly. And I don't think that right. I don't think that (laughs) great poker player is going to take my money. The house is going to take my money. So absolutely. Yeah. Was, isn't that the saying? The house always wins. Yes. Isn't that what yeah. they've said for years and years and years? Right. There's an old onion with a casino dealer that has all these chips in front of her and it says casino has great night. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll leave it at the games in the second half. Talk about the sports that just are not really sports, but I think are kind of abusive. Sounds good. Hello all, this is RD, and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, all the work we do on SeedSync.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and look up the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the Ex-Millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the Ex-Millennial Man and as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this tie and I did because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But we kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better. I mean, come on, Back to the Future is way better to some of us. Fast and Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff and where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff is SeedSing.com and the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us. You need t-shirts. We can give you t-shirts. You need handshakes. Maybe we can give you that. But come on over to Patreon, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, and now I'm going to get you back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, I just keep having images of people, people that I know that are listening to us in the first half and just are raging. This is probably the most hottest take podcast we've ever done. (laughs) For sure, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) 
I'm going to have some friends tell me, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's go play poker. And I'm still going to tell them I'm not going to go play that parlor game. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I, and you brought up Kingpin earlier. Like we could have easily thrown in things like bowling, uh, Mm -hmm. professional pool. Yep. Here's the weird thing about it. I'm weirdly compelled to watch things like bowling or pool because what these guys do, and I know you could say the same thing about darts, but bowling and pool are things I've played regularly and I can't even get close to what these people did. Yeah, but isn't like the most famous billiards player called Minnesota Fats? Or, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> something like that. That's what I mean. You're watching so, somebody do, and when we get to one of the things we're talking about here, we're watching somebody do a skill at such an incredibly high level that it's it's nearly unattainable. But again, they're not sports. I also looked up like the world's dumbest pro sports, and they had, most of them were like competitions that towns have. One was like cheese rolling. Well, that's uh, that's something that goes back hundreds of years for one town yeah. in England. That's not really a competitive sport. Or uh, caber tossing. I don't know if you know what caber tossing is. Yeah, I actually, funny, during the pandemic, last summer, when we were, pandemic was raging last summer, we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and our father and I watched a show about weird sports, and that was one of the sports that we saw. So I'm very versed in that. Yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, cabers are these big, like, logs, and it's a Scottish thing. They go up, and they just throw them, and so you can throw them that far. Look, I I would throw that, and it would crush me. So (laughs) Yeah, I don't even think I can pick it up off the ground. So there's, you know, things like that. They're more, they're not really sports per se. These are uh, wife carrying is another one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. But I will say, I came across these things, and I'm like, you know, no way. When we talk about the coolest sports ever, I'm going to talk about that's extreme ironing. Extreme iron. Oh, come on! That's that. That's not a sport. So it's. I'm going to tell you what it is, though. It's uh, people take ironing boards to remote locations and iron items of clothing. Ex- according to the Extreme Ironing Bureau, extreme ironing is the latest danger sport that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well pressed shirt. We need to get the person who wrote that to write for Seed Sync because that makes me want to watch it too. Because they do. They go to like tops of mountains and they iron. That's so that's so absurd. We're we're so starved for anything now for attention as a country or as a world. Right. And we'll do anything. Again, though that's not a s that's that's not a, a sport in per se that it's not going to regularly be on ESPN. There's, you're not. Gonna yeah, but <laughs> that that's as much a sport as um, a show my wife has had me watch on TLC before called Extreme Couponing, where people go to the store and they have so many coupons that for like six hundred dollars of groceries they don't have to spend any money. That's the same thing to me. That this extreme irony mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But let's talk about things that are big business, that have a lot of money, and again, a lot of people watch. And the first one I'm going to talk about, maybe at one time we could honestly say it's a sport. I brought up, when my wife and I were talking about this, I brought up things like uh, IndyCar racing or NASCAR racing. Mm -hmm. But first off, you see those guys, they're all incredibly fit. And like she brought up a good point. You try to steer a car that doesn't have power steering and tell Mm -hmm. me there's a lot of skill, but some physicality with those types of things. This at one time, it's not a person doing it. Well, it's a person whipping the hell out of a horse. Yeah. But horse racing, and before you say something, I'm going to say this about horse racing. I used to love watching horse racing, and I thought it was cool. We've argued about it a lot. Yes. (laughs) But horse racing to me is, the reason it's not a sport to me anymore is it's WWE. It's pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's all predetermined. I know a few years back, 
they had the first triple crown winner, and it was a big deal. If you actually look at what happened in that, the horse won the Kentucky Derby, and then it won the uh, the Preakness or Belmont. I forgot what's second. And then the third one, they basically cleared the field for it, so it could win. That's not yeah. com- that's not competition anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the so-called greatest uh, trainer, the GOAT, so to say, of trainers for horse racing is a guy, Bob Baffert, who the last few years, his horses have been busted for doping. And he won, <laughs> he won the Kentucky Derby this year. And I kid you not, Ty, he went on Fox News and said the reason they're going after his horse is because of cancel culture. That he, is so stupid. He cheated. So horse racing, not only are you doping these horses up, are you... Uh, you're cheating, determine this triple crown BS, this, all this other stuff, but it's also incredibly abusive. And I'll let you talk about horse racing, but then I'm going to say something about dog racing too. But what what is your beef with the sport of horse racing? Well, you said it right there. It they're, they're animals, and we all love our animals. I love my dog. I know you love your dog. I love my our brother's dogs. I'm an animal person. I love animals, but their brains are a tenth the size of ours, if even that. Like, they don't know what they're doing. My dog doesn't understand when I talk to him uh, unless it's, like, treat or outside or walk. That's the only thing he understands. So to call a horse an athlete, they're not. They're an animal. They're they're doing what is instinctual of them to do because they have lived their life as a domesticated or a wild animal, but, but they're still animals. In the long run, they act how they act out of fear, out of protection, out of whatever you want to call it. So when you take a jockey who's constantly whipping this thing on its backside over and over again, I mean, what would you do if somebody jumped on your back and started (laughs) whipping you? You'd probably run Mm -hmm. because in your mind, you're thinking, well, this is the way I'm going to get this thing off of me that's abusing me right now. So to glamorize this and to make these jockeys out to be more than they are and to, I know... ESPN did it. I believe even you and I argued about it to call Secretariat one of the greatest athletes of all time. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's true because Secretariat is an animal. Secretariat was being whipped by this person. So they were using their animal instincts to try and get this person off off of them, which made them run faster and run harder. And it is not even close to being a sport to me. It is animal abuse that is rewarded, that is glamorized, that is been popularized popularized by sporting networks, by sporting publications, by magazines. And it's not, to me, horse racing is just as bad as what Michael Vick went to jail for with his dog fighting. So I don't understand how people can glamorize this and talk about how great this is for sports. And you get to see all the people dressed up when they go to, to the Kentucky Derby to watch animals being abused. It's not a sport. It is abuse. I agree. As I said, I've come around to it. I used to do all the defensive I could, and I used to really enjoy going to uh, dog tracks, dog racing. I've been to a bunch. It was, it was fun. It was cool. It, you know, that's where Santa's little helper came from and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But I'll never forget. He was last place, and he got beat by his own. Yes. I will, that's why the Simpsons took him. Right. I will never forget, though, the last time I ever went to a dog track. It was when I was down in South Florida a few years ago, and you know, brought my son saying, hey, you know, you might enjoy this, things like this. Ty, when I left, I walked past where they put the dogs. And again, you're talking about these are greyhounds. These are big dogs. They're all in these tiny little cages, and they were wailing. 
it was yep. one of the most haunting things. And I was like, no, I mean, it is that is flat out abuse. And yep. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I will tell you this, though. There was one dog race I went to years ago when I was like in high school. And uh, a friend of mine, we're all sitting there and they always bring the dogs out at the beginning. And this one dog just took a big old dump right there. And my <laughs> friend ran and bet on him because he said he's lighter. <laughs> And he won. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but it, you're right. The, this comes down to it, and people can be like, oh, you guys are just too sensitive or all this other stuff. No, it is abuse. And to the point of in order for them to win, they need to be so doped up now that you're. it's not just yeah. abusing them by beating them and having them run. You're abusing their bodies. You're Exactly. Cu- you're cutting their lives down, and it's, it's pretty gross. <laughs> it's pretty damn gross. Yeah. To pump a beautiful animal like a horse full of steroids and then to beat it with a whip is just, it's its so wrong. No. Now, these last two we're going to talk about is, I think, is flat out abuse to children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the first one is eSports, you know, yep. professional video game playing. Yeah. Okay, so there's a, a, in my generation, there's a legendary feat that, Everybody I know has said they've done, but I've only ever really seen one person do it, and that's our older brother, Ross, and that's <laughs> getting through Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, the first game, with one life and no warp worlds, going through the full thing. <laughs> yep. so, Wasn't he doing it one time and your friend turned off yes. the switch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turned, the, the TV that was connected to a light <clears throat> yeah, switch, yeah. and when he turned the light <laughs> switch off, it uh, turned off, and I think our brother was in his boxer shorts and chased my friend outside. <laughs> well, my friend just ran home going, I'll talk to you later, Cubby. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> And for people who don't know, our oldest brother played college football and was yes. in like really good shape. Yes, so. yeah, yeah. Or another legendary, I think our older brother might still have a picture. He beat me in Tecmo Bowl like 100 to nothing. <laughs> he still has a picture because he brought it to Christmas a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah. So my point is there's all these feats in video games that we, we all try to do. We have these these goals. And it's fun. And sometimes it's fun with us all sitting around and a group of friends playing and watching somebody do something incredible on a video game. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Well, Ty, there are people making billions of dollars. And not the kids that are playing the sport or the games. I'm going to tell you there are companies that are making billions of dollars off of other people watching these kids play games. And I know so Nintendo... When it was the original Nintendo thing, I think they only did it for a year or two, but they had this Nintendo World Championships. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most valuable rare video games ever. It's the cartridge they used in the games that these people would play, and you'd win like this special belt to say you're the Nintendo World Champion or something. Yeah. Okay, it was kind of neat and cool back then. But now you turn it on, and there is like every sp- every game, Call of Duty. Yeah. I know um, uh, Smash Brothers, uh, Mario Kart, yeah, Fortnite. I mean, these are huge, and I mean they pack arenas, and it's these mm-hmm. these kids, these teenagers. Yep. And I was watching this program about the history of video games, and this guy talking about how fit they are, and they're on a certain diet, and they have to exercise because they have to focus, and. You are taking these kids and basically destroying their lives so you can make billion dollars while other kids watch and play video games. There's my piece. What's your thought on esports? Yeah, I got a lot of a lot of not great thoughts about this. And you're right, like when you and I live together, we play NCAA football and there's been instances where a telephone or a controller was thrown at the little. <laughs> For those of you guys that haven't caught on yet, I'm not great at competitive video games. <laughs> so. 
but that was that was still fun for us like we had fun doing that and it was fun to create like these fake little worlds where you could create your colleges or whatever my canada state football team exactly (laughs) the the best state in in college football as it always said for canada (laughs) but no um like i want people to know i first of all i'm not good at video games either i'm good at like college football and nba 2k but i i would say i play video games maybe maybe twice a month maybe so as a kid i didn't have a lot of opportunity because i'm the youngest of four boys and i never played the nintendo and then when i moved in with you we played quite a bit of playstation i will say and like now that i'm older i have my own xbox that i'll play madden on occasionally but i'm i'm not a video gamer my wife and son on the other hand are super into it and my son big time because he's nine we just started letting him play Fortnite a year ago because his friends were doing it he wanted to do it for these companies to reward themselves and to make people famous off of playing these esports or having these big competitions i mean i get notifications from bleacher report about memphis grizzlies gaming team playing stuff and they're all 14 15 16 year old kids who are being sponsored by our fedex is sponsoring them but fedex is making the money or my son will watch these youtubers like uh, ninja i think is the most famous one playing these video games online and he gets paid a million dollars because he's sponsored by red bull red bull makes all this money off of him and like what i don't like about it what frustrates me about it is you're telling kids it's okay to be sedentary to sit down and to just play this video game for hours upon hours that bleeds into days that bleeds into nights that bleeds into months to years and stuff like that it's okay to just sit down because if you make it into our top 10 you get you can get paid a hundred thousand dollars for playing a video game but Kids shouldn't be, I'm going to sound like a pretentious parent here, but kids should be sitting down staring at screens all day long. They're, they're little people with imaginations that are at their height right now, that they can imagine anything in the world. So to take a kid and you've decided, I'm going to make my kid this esports person, like they're going to be the most famous esports player in the world, you're robbing them of any imagination they can have. You're robbing them of time outside. You're robbing them of camp days, of sports, of going to play with friends of learning to ride a bike of doing it. It's, it's so unfair to put your kid through that. And I come from a world of sports and I, you know, sports are not the funnest thing in the world. I played select sports and I wasn't the most fun thing in the world. But to me, esports is like the worst of the worst. You're having kids playing sports, but they're not moving and they're on a screen all day long and they're not, their mind isn't growing unless it's focused on Halo or Fortnite or Call of Duty. And it's just, it's it's bad. It, it's a bad, bad business. To me, it's akin to what they did with boy bands in the early 2000s and late 90s, I guess. It's just, it's not, it's not good for kids to be sitting down and playing video games all day long. Well, I'm going to read you this thing from an article I looked up about esports. And it said, one team coach bragged that players, this is a Korean team, would wake up at 1 p.m. and play until 5 a.m. That's That's, so bad. That's practice, okay? That's 12 hours on a screen. Yeah, one of those players. 16 hours on a screen, pardon me. One of those players in 2014 attempted suicide a week after admitting to match fixing. There is rampant drug use. Again, these are kids, okay? Rampant drug use with stimulants such as Ritalin, Adderall, and Vivisan. I don't know what that is. Many players leaving because they need to go to drug rehab. 
they uh, players must handle their own treatments and carry their own medical insurance, which is the opposite Jesus. of most professional teams. So mm-hmm. these these kids are being exploited, and it is absolutely I mean, sixteen hours straight of playing video games. Sixteen hours. <laughs> No wonder. It, and again, they're kids. Yeah. This is when they should be out exploring. Yeah, no. It, hey, I like I said, I get the joy of watching somebody do something really cool in a video game that you've never seen. But sure. I, I remember when my son was first really getting into video games, and I thought, oh, maybe he'll like to watch an esports thing. And thankfully, five minutes into it, he was bored, as, bored to death. Sure. And we just turned it off because you're not watching – these kids do cool things anymore. You're watching these abused children make money for billionaires, and it's and they act like brats. Yes. On this stuff oh too. yeah, yeah. So speaking of absolute abuse, and this is where I'm going to get on my soapbox and just go on and on and on about it. Esports obviously is just gross and disgusting and all sort of thing. But in my lifetime, the thing, the most exploitive thing, and look, this I, I do not like the fact that the Little League World Series is on TV. I do not like should not be on right, TV any of that stuff. But again, at least you're watching a bunch of kids play baseball, and a lot of kids like to play baseball. What mm-hmm. kid gets any joy whatsoever out of spelling? Brian Regan has a great bit about it. If people don't know, just Google Brian Regan spelling bee bit. It's it's hilarious and perfect. The National Spelling Bee, and I understand that it's like it's an institution and it's we should uh, celebrate this. Hell, last night in preparation for this, uh, I watched The Simpsons where Lisa does a spelling bee with George Plimpton. <laughs> That's a great episode. Comes with a hot plate. Yeah, but so there's a there's a really good movie, a really good documentary came out about 20 years ago or so called Spellbound. It's about a group of kids that were going to that year's Spelling Bee. And you look at these kids, again, this is 20 years ago, Ty. This is pre-social media, smartphones, stuff like that. I know one of these kids, he's from a rural town in Missouri. He, a couple of years after that, committed suicide. Jesus. There was an African-American girl that lived in the inner city of Washington, D.C. Her life was derailed because she got pregnant as a teenager. There is the the girl who won or she came in second or something like that. You could tell this girl was resentful of her parents for making her Mm -hmm. do this. This idea that, oh, these are smart kids and they're going to go somewhere. You watch this documentary and you read the stories of what happened to these kids afterwards, and it is harrowing. My Mm -hmm. wife tells the story of a girl at her high school. Her parents would take her out of school for a month so she could study for the spelling bee. The spelling bee. Okay. We have spell check now. And I know mm-hmm. it was a big deal last night or uh, the other night, the spelling bee, that an African-American girl, first African-American girl ever went, oh, that's a big deal and everybody's happy. I am frightened for all of these kids. And mm-hmm. again, you go back to this documentary, Spellbound. I recommend everybody watch it. And you watch the whole thing and you watch how some of these parents react. And it is, I mean, it is gross. It yeah. is so gross. I could argue to a point that... Some of these kids, when they get into esports, they enjoy playing video games. I, for the life of me, cannot understand how any child is like, oh, I like spelling, and then just the parents 
putting him through this thing. I swear to God. I mean, I know it gets this nice scene and everything's happy. And I know President Biden was there, but the the national wife was there. Oh, okay, uh, Doctor Biden was there. Yeah, so Doctor Biden. Yeah, I get all of that. I get it. I get the whole happiness, but it is literally putting potpourri on a smelly dump. I mean. Because it is a gross, gross thing. And when we talk about the abuse of animals with horse and dog racing, the abuse of these kids with esports, we all accept that. But none of us want to accept the fact that these kids that are at the National Spelling Bee, they are also being abused in my mind. And to me, to quantify it as a sport to celebrate, it's just gross. So there's my, there's my, I'm off my soapbox. I agree with you. I remember, you know, doing the Spelling Bee in school and I'm a good speller, but, you know, like I never won any Spelling Bee stuff. But you're right. Like, I've seen, I've watched some of the scripts National Spelling Bee on TV, and I've seen the movie you're talking about as well. And the parents are as bad as these stage mom and dads. You look at like Macaulay Culkin's parents, the parents with the Spelling Bee are just as bad. Our Britney Spears with all the stuff going on with her right now, the parents involved in the Spelling Bee are are just as bad as those parents are. So you're right. I don't think, like you said, kids like video games. So there is a world, even though I'm not a huge fan of it, but there is a world where I can comprehend like, oh, they like doing this. I don't think there's a kid out there who wakes up one day and decides I'm going to be the spelling bee champion. I think it's their parents saying, hey, you're really smart. We're going to do this. Like your wife, like you said, your wife knew a girl or knew a kid who would be taken out of school for a month to practice spelling. Spelling's not that big a deal. You, you said it yourself. <laughs> we have spell check. People can get around it now. I don't understand why it is so lauded and treated the way it is. And like I looked at Bleacher Report this morning and I saw the girl who won it the won the spelling bee, the word she spelled, I had no idea what it is. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't get it. Yeah, I uh, I keep thinking in that Simpsons where Plimpton the weather the word is weather and the person's like, Can you use it in the sentence? Uh, whether <laughs> yeah. or not the weather is any good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he uses like every different form of weather that he can. Yeah, or impune and IMP. Oh, Bart's P. Right. <laughs> I'm done. That that's. Oh, I also like new kids who would purposely spell a word wrong. I'm sure we all did, but would just purposely spell words wrong so they get out of it in school because yeah. they don't want to deal yeah. with that. Or Billy Madison winning his spelling bee with rock, R O K. Oh, the C is the silent. C is silent. <laughs> well, I also like when he's spelling couch in that, and he says an R. Yeah. And then he plays it off when are you going to the mall later today? <sighs> hey, I, I'm terrible at spelling, so maybe that's, I'm just angry. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. I'm good at spelling. My wife is a hundred times smarter than me, and she's not good at spelling. Yeah, yeah, so it uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't. That has nothing to do with with how intelligent somebody is, if you can spell or not. Well, if the uh, tie of the St. Louis Cornhole League needs to recruit you <laughs> for the, for one of their teams, uh, where are they going to find you? Yeah, please do also if you're going to pay me money to do that. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K. More importantly, though, read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I'm the pop culture sports writer do all the stuff, been doing all kinds of writing, you know, that talks about all of it lately. NBA finals going on, new season that I think you should leave. I'll be writing about this weird movie you suggested to me later today when I finish it. So you can check all that stuff out on Seed Sing. You can hear me on this podcast, the ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate and review us. Tell your friends about us. Check out our Patreon and 
please get vaccinated. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, so uh, we repeat all that stuff, uh, seedsing.com, ex-millennial man. I did want to say that uh, obviously the tennis tournament, Wimbledon tennis tournament's going on now, but we also have the NBA finals going on now. Yep. So uh, assuming that both, well, obviously Wimbledon will be done, but if the NBA finals are finished by then, well, I'm going to obviously be talking to Tina about tennis, but I'll probably get you on to talk about the finals. So we have that looking like <laughs> Suns in four right now. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunately. Uh, yeah, they just they have a team, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Milwaukee has a superstar. And I think that's <laughs> yep. unfor- unfortunately what's happening right now. <laughs> hey, you know, I and I know we'll talk about it more next time, but I know Chris Paul's been problematic in his career, but he's kind of like this guy that's like he never had a title, so it seems like he yep. should have a damn title. <laughs> Just real quick, I'm one of the biggest Chris Paul haters out there, but I will not be upset if and when they win the title. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's he's earned it. Yes, yes, yeah. He's had a, a long, great career, and he's he's elevated a lot of teams. I don't think we realize how yep. great he was until he went to Oklahoma City and drug that yep. team to the playoffs. So. Almost beat the Rockets in yeah. the first round series yeah. in the bubble. So, uh, yeah, with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast? Remember, we are here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And, Ty, uh, we're recording this right about lunchtime. I think i got a pack of hot dogs down there. I'm going to see if I can shove all six in my mouth in the next five minutes. Gross. Make sure you call me and tell me about your throwing up excursion after you're doing yeah. that. And while I do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell a lot of words and you know just get it all in. I'm going to throw darts at a dartboard while while you're doing that. (laughs) All right. uh, Talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSane.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.